today lgt wealth manages assets worth 11000 crores in athol's words the usp of lgt wealth is that it is majority owned by a top tier global bank but is run locally in an entrepreneurial manner lgt is a large private banking and asset management group owned by lichtenstein's princely family which entered the indian wealth management space in august 2022 after it acquired the business of validus wealth which had been founded by athol today Atul tells us about his equity portfolio as well as where he invests in the debt space and what he thinks of insurance and much more. Let's hear it from him. Hi. Welcome to Why Not Mint Money, a personal finance podcast where we help you understand basic money concepts and share strategies for you to build your wealth. So let's get started on your money journey. Hi Atul, welcome to this episode of Why Not Mint Money. Hi Molik. Uh, good evening. Thank thank you for having me. On the podcast. Yeah, Atul, glad to have you here. Uh, so, Atul, could you first uh, tell our listeners briefly a bit about LGT and uh, also, you know, a little more about uh, LGT Wealth India? Sure. So, Malik, LGT is a, a large global private bank. In fact, it's actually world's largest family-owned um, private banking and asset management business. It manages about three hundred billion. for uh, families wealthy families and institutions around the world uh, one of the unique features is that it is while it is large but uh, it's still 100% owned by a single family and the family has held it for 100 years uh, and that allows them to take very long term bets and and not really get guided by short term pressures um, coming from external equity holders uh, also uh, because the bank has been profitable uh, and and doing quite well for 100 years uh the, the credit rating of the bank is actually one of the highest in the world now uh, lgt wealth is majority owned by uh, lgt bank uh, and um, but we still have substantial share um, of the uh, lgt wealth entity uh, held by employees which i think is fairly unique in indian context because there is no global firm in india that is uh, not fully owned by the, the global parent we have 11000 crores of high quality client assets an excellent client franchise thanks atul for telling us about the lgt india business um so now kind of shifting gears and coming more to your personal uh, investments um atul so can you give me like a brief overview of what your portfolio allocation is like say between equity debt gold and any other assets so malik uh, uh, my personal portfolio is structured towards equity both uh indian listed equities as well as um unlisted equities so uh, i'm a big uh, believer and big fan of the private market uh, in india as well i think it's going the next 10 years are going to be um, quite fruitful for a lot of the uh, the entrepreneurs that are building new models and new businesses in the country so i would say uh, about uh, 65% in equities 45 maybe in listed and um, 20 
in unlisted 25% in uh, debt and and you know debt and cash together maybe 30% if you can take it and uh, last 5% in gold and uh, uh, real estate i mean i don't consider as a investment i i own the real estate that i live in but nothing uh, beyond that in terms of uh, investment um, so yeah that's the but apart from this uh, i do have uh, investment in um, global um, stocks and and bonds as well so so this is just the this the split of the indian portfolio of like equity uh, would you like to provide some details on you know how do you go about shortlisting unlisted shares and if you'd like to share you know maybe what is like the one largest unlisted share holding in your uh, unlisted uh, equity portfolio so you know as a business also uh, you know we we do this for our clients which is sure. looking at um, a lot of these uh, businesses entrepreneurs etc and uh, we work with our style is that we work with funds and we look at their winners and uh, we we work with funds and and rely on their due diligence uh, on to the funds so when large institutional investors invest in some of these companies right. and they have negotiated um, you know the terms of the deal the valuation etc then we bring our private clients into the the to invest into the company into the cap table okay. uh, and that has worked quite well for us uh, over the last 3 4 years a lot of these companies have gone on to raise capital at significantly higher multiples okay. so uh, and uh, you know as we evaluate some of those companies you know the ones that we like you know i also personally end up investing uh, at the same term so so yeah i mean we have had uh, an investment in dunzo uh, you know the hyper local company where we invested actually ngt was um, the seed investor there and uh, google was another investor so we invested our clients invested uh, in terms of you know i was also in my personal capacity invested there um, you know there are some other examples um, miko is uh, another one of our very high conviction idea we have it's a, a companion robot company for kids aged 6 to uh, 6 to 9 6 to 10 yeah um, so you know diverts their attention from the screens and and you know this sort of allows the kids as a companion to focus on learning focus on uh, entertainment focus on engagement kids engagement and that's so, interesting i could try huh? it on my son <laughs> for example yeah and and you know it's a brilliant now globally competitive product uh, coming out of india so we're very excited about that so mm-hmm. so investment there and then i think the third is which we're quite proud of is a drone company okay. which probably has in, in terms of the, the the technology and the architecture is one of the leading drone companies in, in the country working with air force and and indian army would so, you like to name the company the drone yeah, company to talk about it's nrt's uh, abbreviated as nrt new space research technologies okay so, so so again these are these are two or three uh, very high conviction uh, unlisted um, opportunities that that we you know got for our clients and then in my personal capacity i invested as well what i tried and uh, so atul you also mentioned about uh, international stock so uh, you said about 45% is your uh, of your portfolio is in listed equity uh, would it be possible to give a sense on how much of this is an international uh, equity so uh, uh, so molik funnily now uh, again <laughs> what i spoke of was my india portfolio but if i really step up and look yeah. at the overall uh, let's say financial market portfolio actually my split is about 50 50 uh, 
between the indian and international indian and international so again one okay. of the core thesis that we have had for long time uh, and continue to have at entity wealth is that indian families are not globalized enough and they need to globalize okay. a lot more than than what they are and uh, the world india is a great opportunity there's no doubt about it but the world offers tremendous opportunities as well as an investor especially when you think of um, preserving your wealth over multiple generations diversification is not only important it is absolutely critical so now i had the advantage of i'm a returning nri so i had the advantage of uh, having a large part of my portfolio uh, in global um, already so mm-hmm. so i i could get to even a 50 50 ratio but i tell clients that think of at least 80 20 right keep 20% of your wealth which is meaningful uh, in uh, in global products uh, and services and, and aligned to us dollar uh, and and rest you can allocate in india so so the allocation that i gave is for the india portfolio the uh, you know you could say probably a similar portfolio allocation would uh, would be there for global as well talk like what are some of your big international stock holdings in your personal portfolio you know again the the you, if you look at the world you have one stock one company that is 3 trillion dollars now right uh, apple you have um, three companies that are between 2 to 3 and they may have gone down a little bit in right. the last you know two or three months but you know their right. business has remained solid uh, you know you have google you have microsoft and you have amazon between 2 to 3 and then you know you have teslas etc um, yeah. you know about one now if you think about a company like google i mean google has 111 billion cash on their balance sheet they have 30% plus profit margin sales growth mm-hmm. almost up to them how much safe growth they want to drive but let's say 20% mm-hmm. and you know they are trading at a pe of 16 right so there's tremendous value and mm-hmm. nobody is trying to replace google right but i mean you know there's nobody there's no attempt to replace google there's no attempt to replace microsoft some of those have been um you know my holdings uh, as far as the equity portfolio is concerned uh, in the past and and that's kind of a little bit of a pain point for me that a lot of that value creation the 3 trillion dollar stock you know three companies to to 3 trillion all of that wealth has been created or value has been created in the last 25 years and indian investors have sort of sidestepped that right value creation right they've not participated in that and you know that process is not stopping now right i mean the, the process of value creation is not stopping now i mean you have uh, you know salesforce.com and adobe and you know these companies are are phenomenal moat companies so so again that's why i am uh, i'm a big believer in in diversifying assets and and actually accessing some of the global opportunities as an investor um, yeah. that that you you should access so some of those stocks are my uh, long term holdings okay i mean i think i know the answer to this question but so my understanding is uh, all your equity exposure is through direct stocks you don't go the mutual fund route then no i think Uh, there i have a mix of three so uh, in terms of vehicle i do have some direct stocks i do have uh, mutual funds and i i have pnss so i like some managers that uh, i i trust and, and believe so um, uh, there's some allocation to pms mm-hmm. uh, there's some allocation to mutual funds and that there is uh, some allocation to you know holding some long term uh, stocks uh, directly as well so and again i would say probably the split will be Uh, equal so one third, one third, one third, and you know oh. the the thesis is that the thesis is that there are some parts of the market where the market is 
there is no uh, way to create alpha so you know you actually you know whether you take a mutual fund or etf etc i mean all of them pretty much will deliver the same there isn't a big scope to to have um, alpha over over the market so you know you can use mutual funds and etfs low cost very tax efficient works right. very well um, but then there are some very very good managers especially as you go into mid cap and small cap you want these managers to apply their intellect and framework to pick the, the right winners so you know you have a place for that and then once you've done all that i mean there are some stocks in india that you always want to hold and you don't want to kind of you know you want to hold for long term periods hdfc bank so some of the market leaders practically in every market you you don't need to really look at their um, their uh, their yearly or the quarterly numbers so you know some of those i hold uh, direct we have you know talked about a lot of your portfolio uh, so can you just tell us like what's been your uh, overall portfolio return uh, since inception when well, difficult to say but i would say at a high level i think equities would be early double digit so you know 12 13% um and uh, debt would be you know 8 to 9% uh, private markets have done better but again none of those are not harvested yet so i wouldn't count them as as returns they may be paper returns also one other thing uh, in your mind what would be like the major contributors to this uh, return that you've uh, had would it be like say for example in the case of equity is it international more than the indian or in the case of debt if you think what have been like the major return contributors no i think it's not uh, see for in indian equities if you don't make terrible mistakes and you don't try to kind of you know be cute about market timing i think you will make this return mm-hmm. so i don't think that there is any real multi bagger i mean i also talked about banking stocks because that's in right. general have done uh, okay but it's not like they've kind of lifted everything else. so i think one big driver i would say is not make mistakes be okay. clear about your strategy not make um, not go for multi baggers and hence end up kind of um, burning your capital and be uh, be long term oriented right Got it. and and the debt is the same just be a little mindful about what you're investing don't take risk um, mm-hmm. in while investing in debt because you're investing for a particular purpose Mm-hmm. and you take equity risk but you take some sensible risk you hold it for for the right time period and you will make this much see i mean again you know i i tell this to global investors when i go and talk to them about india or even indian investors see the, the indian equities is a 14 15% compounding asset right. without mm-hmm. doing actually anything spectacular right, right. so uh, because again you know you would have heard people talking about the nominal growth right the gdp nominal growth of 14 15% in the past reflecting into the company's earnings growth of 14 15% reflecting into the share price returns of 14 15% on an average right. so uh, so so that's what you get so so again no great uh, calls or no great kinds of uh, uh, drivers there just the indian equities the power in built in that asset class is that and then where the indian interest rate structures are again if you really did it sensibly 8 to 9% is a reasonable return to expect okay in debt uh, atul what uh, is it that you primarily uh, hold and again not too different to what we talk to clients about is mm-hmm. that debt is about uh, taking uh, creating yielding instruments but that are uncorrelated right so many of sure. the so as you put uncorrelated 
instruments together right. uh, you improve the uh, the let's say standard deviation or or you reduce the variability of the portfolio right Correct. so in debt i will have bonds mm-hmm. i will have uh, mlds because okay. uh, with mlds you can invest in some of the single a rated high quality npfcs right. they are also tax efficient so some portion there the bonds when i say bonds meaning high quality bonds high grade bonds let's say, right okay. so either government backed or you know some of the very large uh, corporation papers where there's you, there's no you're not taking credit risk mm-hmm. right mlds you're taking some credit risk you're getting right. rewarded for it as well mm-hmm. some component there uh, there is a component of uh, venture debt as well because i think there's a place in india today uh, for venture debt because it it does not rely on the not necessarily rely on the credit quality it relies partly like the private equity that look the company is doing well it will attract private equity capital so your money will get paid from the private equity capital raise that they will do so so you you do that there is a component on um, uh, invit and reit uh, that is there as well and uh, and then you know the you keep some money in liquid and uh, and also there is uh, something else which i like a lot in in our debt portfolio uh, is uh, a long term uh, insurance uh, a very long term insurance which actually acts like a debt uh, it's a tax efficient debt product so combining all of that put together is my portfolio okay in fact my next question atul was going to be about like you know so we talked a lot about investments uh coming more to you know also about kind of having some sort of a safety net so you mentioned insurance yeah. could you give us some details on uh, you know uh, about what kind of health insurance or life insurance do you have and you know what do you feel about having an insurance policy yeah so uh, again the i'll talk about health later sure. but let's say life right so there mm-hmm. are two types of um insurance that every family should think about right one is and you know and then they are attached to two specific needs that all of us have one is that what if we pass away tomorrow right or right. at some point sooner so for that very well understood you should have enough term right insurance right so i have done uh, term i don't know if it's enough but you know i have done term it sort of seems enough so that's one part the second need is which actually is probably highly likely or more likely for most people is what if you don't pass away any time soon and you live actually a very long life right now for that you actually need steady income right so let's say you if you're 55 or if you're 50 you know in the next 10 years you you stop working but the need for a very steady income for let's say next 25 years if you you know live till 85 uh, is there right and and you should plan for that so that you don't have to worry about that income coming in which is completely unconditional guaranteed tax efficient in your head right so both these objectives can be addressed using insurance so so one was term insurance the second one is again it's a it's a non participating plan a lot of insurance companies have this non participating plan which is very effective in mm-hmm. converting um your investment today whether it is 5 years or 10 years you can define you know various options but it converts into an annuity that gives comes to you unconditional guaranteed tax efficient in fact tax free for right. the next 25 years after that right 
So that's okay. the use of life insurance that again I have deployed for my life for my family. But I would encourage you know our clients to actually look at that CSK. So let's say a product like HDFC SunChip. So okay. it's called SunChip Plus, right. right? So and other insurance companies have similar uh, products as well. And by the way, the reason you know remember I when I talked about my debt portfolio. I right. actually spoke about an allocation. So this is the insurance that I was talking about. Because if I really, I took this policy, I paid for ten years, and after that, it will pay this income for me for next twenty-five years, right. irrespective of what happens to me. So I may pass away in the twelfth year, but the income will still come, right? So it takes Got care it. of the family for the next twenty-five years as well. And because it doesn't stop with my passing away, you can actually right. do proper IRR, right? And if you do hmm. a proper IRR. Actually, the returns are quite good. So, in fact, post-tax is ten seven percent plus or, or thereabouts. Now, that's okay. a great fixed income investment. Also, uh, one should have, for sure. Uh, again, there I am a bit guilty of not having proper health insurance because, again, my firm does, uh, you know, the health insurance to the extent it does, sure. and a lot of us are guilty of uh, being happy with that. But you know, one should not. Yeah. And uh, you know, you being like in wealth management, you manage a lot of other people's money and whatnot. So this is more like a philosophical question. But uh, so you know, what does uh, wealth mean to you? So you know, what what would your answer be to that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, again, it's it is philosophical. But I think the the best kind of answer I have come across, and I I think about that also in in similar lines. That I think wealth is something that gives you freedom. it gives you freedom to do what you want to do That's even true. professionally uh, you know if you want to spend time in in doing something you enjoy it you you do it you don't you don't just do it for economic or financial reasons right That's right so so i think wealth uh, gives you that freedom and uh, anybody who has um, wealth is privileged to to deploy their time or invest their time into things that they like right and that's how they should look at it nothing beyond sure that's right yeah So uh, Atul I think that brings us to the close of this. So thanks a lot for your time and I really enjoyed uh, chatting with you. So thanks very much for your time. So listeners that's it for now. Thanks for tuning in. If you have any personal finance questions you can email them to us at mintmoney@livemint.com or you can reach out to me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at @molik_madhu that is M A U L I K _M A D H U. This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.